welcome back to the It's Just Poor podcast, A League of Our Own. I'm Joanna Reardon. I'm Eve, and today we have Nicole Turner in the hot seat, so we're delighted to have the Paralympic summer here with us today. How's everything going with you? It's going good, thank you. Yeah, I'm actually not too bad these days. <laughs> well, you're still training, so you're able to stay sane and get out and about and do what you're meant to be doing. Oh, completely. That's a big difference, uh, especially, obviously, compared to this time last year. Uh, this was around the time where we were like, we knew, obviously it wasn't announced, but we knew Tokyo wasn't going to happen. Um, whereas now we're six months out from the games and it's looking real. Like how weird, how weird was it like last year to just be like in like a massive flow of like Olympic or Paralympic um, like treachery and then all of a sudden it's just boom, like over. It was and it was even harder, like especially for most of us, it was hard like the build up to it more than it was the day the Paralympics and Olympics got got postponed and because like even I remember we were actually on a training camp in Dublin but we were all together as a team and it was just so hard to motivate ourselves because we basically knew in the back of our head that we weren't really training for anything then Mm -hmm. Um, and then when it got announced it was kind of obviously because of the whole coronavirus situation it was an ease had been lifted off us that okay we do have another year to train and it, it is for the best safety but then it was kind of heartbreaking that it was taken away from us for another year yeah it's definitely difficult I think um for athletes obviously everybody understands that it's like the public safety and that type of thing but you also have like a a goal and a a calendar kind of in mind so to to push that back a year um is is something to kind of wrap your head around um tell us a little bit about when you started swimming and how it all kicked off and then then we'll we'll head back towards the the Paralympic Games conversation again (laughs) oh god um so I basically like any other normal child uh I just started swimming lessons with my two older brothers when I was five um but then my parents actually found didn't find out I had a disability until I was five and then when they did um they so when obviously back then like I'd be competing against people twice the size of me and I wouldn't really like it because they'd be winning medals and I'd be coming last every now every every swim competition um but then they found this thing called the world dwarf games and um this was like a dwarf kind of olympic games kind of thing but obviously nowhere near as serious <laughs> um and it was held every four years and it just happened that the year that they found out i had a disability it um it was held in, ba- in belfast in obviously northern ireland and so they just said you know what we'll go and throw you in at the deep end just to give you a try to meet other people like you um, and then I went there and I swam. I, I did multiple sports, but obviously swimming, I always had a love or a passion for swimming. Um, and then when I swam, I swam four events and I won four gold medals. So that was where the seed was planted. Was it weird, like, seeing, you know, I remember, like, when my mom, like, signed me up to, like, meet people who, like, had no limbs as well, like, in Dunleary. I was a bit like, all right like okay I don't know like is there like a weird thing like for children who have a disability that like in their head they think like they're the only one because I remember like when you were on the late late and you said your parents thought you were the only person that like existed you know? oh, yeah and even like Ryan totally laughed at that thinking that was crazy but like my parents genuinely my, my parents genuinely thought that I did like because they'd never really seen anyone across Ireland um, and obviously my parents are from the UK so they were they haven't been they didn't live over here for a very long time um, so they never really th- saw anyone around as as a little person going strolling around the streets. So 
they did think really they were in it on their own but then obviously it turned out there was a wider amount of people just like me and like did your you know I'm just kind of curious because like my brothers used to like beat me up like all the time like it was consistent <laughs> WWE moves like were your brothers like nicer to you than mine were to me or oh, was no. it like no not at all no <laughs> and I think that's the thing about me being small as well it was much easier for them to do that yeah because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I basically like it was really funny, like, when Luis Suarez got his ban for biting. Everyone was like, oh, it's so wrong to bite. And I'm like, I don't know, if you're being wrestled by people with limbs, sometimes you just gotta <laughs> use what you have. <laughs> uh... Tell us a bit about uh, your kind of journey then towards taking swimming, like, seriously, and then obviously competing at the Paralympic Games in 2016. Um, God, I didn't take, I, I didn't take swimming seriously for a very long time. <laughs> Um, even like looking back on Rio but um, yeah I'd say it was just like like I obviously was involved in club swimming um, and I went I started out in like, a local club in Port Arlington and um, I just swam like three hours a week just in and out of the pool um, but then in 2014 um, it, it just happened one day and I always remember it my mom turned to me and we were just in the car and obviously I was in what like first year of school uh, not even, I was, I was in fifth class, actually, I think. Um, and my mom turned to me and she was like, you're swimming in the morning, Nicole. And like, this was like a Tuesday evening and I obviously had school on a Wednesday morning. And I looked at her and I was like, no, I'm not. I'm going to school in the morning. And she was like, yeah, but you're swimming before school. And I was like, what? Um, so it turned out that she got in contact with another club in Port Leash called Leash Marlins. And um, it just happened that their training schedule was a bit more packed than my local swim club. So um, so I went and I I did I wasn't looking forward to it. I'm not gonna lie because even back then I did have a love for swimming, but the commitment was a bit hard and it was kind of drove by my mom and dad. Um, but then I went and I actually did really enjoy it. And then that's when I decided to move from Port Arlington to Port Leash Swimming Club. Um, and then that's kind of when it got serious for me because I went from swimming like three three hours a week to about nine or ten hours a week. Um, so that was a big jump for me and then from there in 2015 that was when I got on the senior Paralympic team and went to my first world championship that's mental like like I mean how like how do you like I'm even like kind of thinking like if I'm your age and I'm like going to a Paralympics like I think I'm like you know I think I'm class like basically long story short but like you know in comparison I suppose like what did you have to like sacrifice in a way to like make you know you said you'd been swimming a lot more so did that mean you were missing out on like other things with your friends because I assume in sixth class we're just like I just want to go to Mary's <laughs> birthday party mom like what <laughs> oh completely because even that was the thing about me when I did move clothes they um they swam on a Friday evening and a Saturday morning and Saturday morning it wasn't that early but obviously a Friday evening like in school the Friday was always the day you'd arrange to go to someone's house or someone to come to your house and it always was that bit difficult for me because especially back then like I didn't even know how serious swimming was um and then I'd get the invite and I'd be like oh but I can't because I'm swimming and I'd even say to my mom I'd be like do I have to swim and she was like yeah like it's gonna be obviously worth it in the end and she was dead right um <laughs> but it was it was hard to take sometimes 
Yeah, definitely. It's a, uh, oh, <laughs> there's a huge amount of uh, commitment required with swimming and those early mornings and all that kind of thing. So it's not a, it's not an easy sport to, <laughs> um, it, basically, if you make it through secondary school, you'll probably, <laughs> you'll probably stick on it then, but it's certainly like hard. And mm. I think, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, trips to cinema or discos or going to friends' houses, like it is, you know, sometimes you can't feel like you're missing out on things that other people are doing. Um, tell me a little bit about kind of racing domestically because you're talking about racing people that are literally twice the size of you and you are watching them watch medal or collect medals and that kind of thing at what point did you kind of end up you know coming into the Paralympic swimming team and kind of seeing that there was so much opportunity for you because I know it can be difficult um, to kind of see that when you're when you're racing people that mm. um aren't haven't got the the same um like I don't even know how to explain it (laughs) (laughs) but but basically basically like you're you're raising people that have an advantage because they're because they're bigger than you so Mm. what was it like and and at what point did you realize that there was a huge potential for you in swimming um like obviously there was years of that and like there is still like obviously national competitions around Ireland because there's very Mm -hmm. few Paralympic swimmers around we we would do swimming with able-bodied and like nowadays it doesn't get to me at all because I know the um logic around it but mm-hmm. back then like it was very hard but then uh that was in in 2015 actually um it was March 2015 and it was yeah I was 12 maybe 13 and um that's when I was brought to my first like international senior event mm-hmm. and um and there like it was multi-classification but obviously you were racing against people with disabilities and nine times out of ten you would have someone in that race who had the same disability mm-hmm. as you um and then when I went there I swam god I swam about four or five events but in at the time what seemed well from now on it is my best event but at the time I didn't know uh, in the 50 meter butterfly I actually swam I swam pretty well and back then they like classed it as like they had a youth category and a senior category um and in the youth category I actually won a silver medal and obviously it was my first senior international and then I think that was the time that I realized god it is serious and I do Mm -hmm. have potential in the future yeah it's definitely difficult to kind of see that when um you know there's not that many opportunities to compete domestically in in your classification and that type of thing so I know it can be hard at the time but obviously you've kind of made it through that and I mean you're certainly you're certainly enjoying it now and, and you've got so much opportunity to travel to compete uh, and, and that type of thing really enjoy your sport that lots of the people that might have been quicker than you will never ever ever have the opportunity to do that you know mm. oh exactly yeah like like it was very hard but then as everyone says there is light at the end of the tunnel and obviously it just took a while to get there who have been some like major influences on your like career and like who've been kind of role models for you? Because I suppose when I was younger, I didn't see many like Paralympians. I didn't really know that, you know, people with disabilities did sport. I thought we all just kind of fell into able-bodied sports and just died a horrible death along the way. But like who for you would have been like, oh yeah, cool. Like I can be like her or him or whatever. Um, I've two, to be honest. One's a sport person and the other one's not. Uh, one major one for me is Ellie Simmons. Um, because obviously just as I found out I had a disability um, the Paralympics were going were happening in Beijing and um, and obviously Ellie went to Beijing and she was only 13 at the time and she went and became a Paralympic champion and um, and like it's bizarre when I think about it now but like I was watching that and I turned to my mom and dad and I was like oh my god she's small like me 
Um, and I was like, I want to be like her one day. And then the year later, I actually met her. And I was like starstruck um, about meeting her. And obviously she was she was a lovely human being. Um, and then six years down the line, I ended up competing against her. Um, so she did have a major impact on my swimming career. And then another one would be Sinead Burke. Um, Sinead was actually the very first little person I met. Um, because then obviously when I found out I had a disability and my mom thought I was the only one out there, um, that's when Crumlin Hospital contact gave Sinead's contact to my mom, and um, and Sinead did come to my house and obviously told me everything was going to be okay and it was, um, so she she has and she always is like she's she's always someone who's always there for you and you know will guide you to the best of your ability. She's like the most elegant person I have ever met like <laughs> in my life. Like I know I'm a country gal and a culture, like absolutely. But when I stand next to Sinead, like it just amplifies my cultiness like even further. <laughs> like I can never speak like that. I can never talk like that. Uh, like she's just an incredible Oh, completely. Human. She is. Talk to us a little bit about the Paralympic and Olympic conversation that's been going on at the moment. I know it's not necessarily the easiest question, but obviously there's been a little bit of conversation around it at the moment on people kind of default to Tokyo Olympics or being postponed and that type of thing. Um, and I know you have all spoken about it recently and you, Ellen did call out Ryan <laughs> on the Late Late Show, which I was like um. applauding while watching it. But talk to us a little bit about that because obviously like we're here to talk about Paralympic athletes about your story that type mm. of thing and like you are competing it, it is a it is a different games you're competing against people that are like you there's the different classifications and like you are amazing in what you do so tell us a little bit about that and kind of what it means to you because I think sometimes people um are a little bit ignorant towards it without meaning to be and then uh it's just like sometimes people are a bit awkward as well so talk us through oh, that yeah. from your perspective um, no there's been like many incidences and like some people like they wouldn't be intentional but like there was even one like we were together as a team um at a shoot and this person I'm not going to name any names uh but this person like we were just all like gathered around together and um and he said to us he was like like it was a specific like Paralympic shoot day like for I think it could have been for our like a world championship announcement and um and he and he turned to us and he was like oh, you're all going to the Olympics, are you? And uh, fair play to Ellen again. She was like, uh, no, Paralympics. And um, and he turned back to her and he was like, well, it's all the same really, isn't it? And I, like, to be honest, it's not. <laughs> um, and I think like, like there is some people who are obviously quite ignorant towards it. And there is some people who can get that awkward tension about talking about disabilities. Um, and I think it's, it's to each and every very own individual like like you might get I will agree like you might get an odd individual Paralympian out there who might not like being classed as different to an Olympian uh, but at the end of the day we are very different and um, like yeah we do all work and we, we do all work as hard as each other uh, but I think it should be recognized that we are different to one another to one another Talk to me like a little bit. I was kind of curious to get your opinion on. I know like a couple of the Paralympics, they've kind of been labeled as like, you know, you're all labeled as superhuman, like, you know, inspo, you know, like and all that stuff. And like for sure, like you are like, you know, in terms of if I want mm. to go out and start swimming as someone with no limbs, I can visually see someone who's doing it, you know, like me. But for a lot of able bodied people, they kind of and I see this with myself as well. 
they tend to like look at me and say like geez I wish I was more like you and a part of me is like but why would you why would you say that you know like it's a bit Mm. weird like do you you obviously must get it like quite a bit I was just kind of wondering like I think it's lovely when a small child says it to me because I think there's like an innocence in that and it's lovely but I find that when an adult kind of says it to me there's a bit of like if you'd kind of known some of the hurdles I had to jump to do what I do you wouldn't be saying that at all oh completely and I think it's kind of like it's not an ignorant kind of sympathy but it's kind of it makes it look like as if they feel sorry for you mm. like like obviously like you you might have hardship in your life but I don't like I've been through stuff but I don't ex- expect people to feel sorry for me just because I have a disability um yeah. and yeah I think like obviously as you said like little children it is lovely for them to come up and be like oh you're so inspiring or something whereas an adult I think they should just treat you like any other person like any other like Olympian Paralympian like like as people said like if if you if I was an an Olympian you wouldn't be talking to me about my disability you'd be be talking to me about my sport whereas because I'm a Paralympian you'll talk to me about my disability and my sport it won't just be all the focus on the sport um whereas like people are I, I don't know like it is nice in one sense but then I think there's no need to bring it up in another sense yeah like I yeah like I completely agree like I can understand the niceness of the whole thing and like mm. an honor absolutely but at the same time you're just like mm, I don't know like you know should you be saying well exactly. the girls can know Lim can do it I can do it too because I think at the end of the day we all have things we can't do you know like I can't I don't know I can't swim as fast as you can that doesn't mean I'm going to be like Nicole you're such inspo like if only <laughs> if it wasn't for you I would do you know what I mean like exactly, like it's great yeah. what you do and kudos to you but you know at the same time it's just have it out maybe you know it's unnecessary mm, yeah, it's unnecessary um, exactly yeah like I was going to kind of ask you in general um you know about kind of kids and stuff like I don't know if you kind of do any like kind of school visits or anything like that but like I'm obsessed like they're like my favorite thing to do because they just like <laughs> ask me anything do you think it's just really important that the likes of you know you me Ellen Keane um you know Jason Smith Michael McKillop and all these guys do you think it's kind of important that the likes of us are on TV as well because it helps to break down barriers with children who maybe have a kid in their class who have a disability, but they don't want to ask them for fear of like insulting them. But also the kids are so innocent, they'll just say it too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, completely. And it is like, obviously it's getting so much better as the years go on. But I think like, like as I said before, it's like when someone sees me on the streets, like they'll see an 18 year old body with like five year old arms and legs and they'll be very very confused um and then I think that's where the parents it's the embarrassment to the parents as well because if they'd be like why is she so small or like because I didn't remember I obviously don't drive at the minute but um I had my mom's car keys in, in my hand a few a few months ago and um I was walking through the supermarket and this child was like she's too small to drive <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's just little things like that and I think it's the lack of understanding of the poor little child and um, that they don't obviously see like some people not meant like I don't, I'm not sure about you but like even in my school like going through primary school and even secondary school I was the only one in school who had a disability yeah um so no one would really see anyone who'd look out any different and then that's obviously spread wider that seeing someone out on the street with a disability that's when the attention will go to them because they don't really see them very often yeah like I think my favorite is if I'm on like the Lewis 
and like there's just like loads of eyes and then they're like oh and then I think what's actually worse about the Lewis is that people didn't like hit off the chair because it's like you know you're like sardines <laughs> on the Lewis and they're like oh my god I'm so sorry and you're like no it's fine like it's really not my fault that I take up like 10 feet of unnecessary <laughs> on the Lewis like I am really sorry in return but I think like you know what kind of annoys me and I don't know about you is that if a child like says oh like mom she has no limbs like if I was a child I think I'd say something similar if I was in their mm. shoes but I think what annoys me is when the mom goes like don't be looking and I get how yeah. it's like there and things mm. like that but I don't think we should discourage children from asking questions now some days if I'm on the loose and it's a Sunday and I'm dying of a hangover like I don't want questions you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so basically don't don't talk to Joanne on a Sunday but every other day is all right is that <laughs> well, what you're trying to tell us well, I'll be very like like accommodating and hospitable. As Nicole knows, if you're a, a public figure with a disability, you can't be seen as the bitch with a disability on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us, for, like from my perspective, obviously, like I I want to understand a bit more like what it's like, and and like, you're obviously talking about children, and then this this piece about adults and, and that kind of interaction, and then we're talking a bit about say the conversation with sports, and you're saying it's always intertwined with. With, with your disability as well so like tell me a bit about like what do you want to talk about and then how like in your kind of ideal world what would what would everything be like do you know what I mean like what would if, mm. if you got to choose kind of how adults and children would interact and like all that kind of thing and this question goes out to both of you because like I want to understand more from my own perspective but I also think there's a, there's a lot of other people out there um that we can help educate no yeah, pressure. <laughs> um, for me, I think it's like, especially young kids, I think it's about the parent acting up. Well, not acting up, but like the parent not getting so embarrassed about it and having a voice and saying, like, obviously, if there is a kid looking at you and being like, why is she so small? Like, the parent just act up and be like, right, go on, go and say hello to her. Like, and then they'll, like, once you say hello to her, like, as for me and Joanne, like, we can have a simply strong conversation with anyone. Like, we're no different in that sense um and then when you obviously do go and talk to them they'll be like oh okay she is a bit she is some way normal <laughs> yeah like I suppose for me anyways and I know this isn't my interview and I'm hijacking it here <laughs> but um, you know for me like I'll forgive someone the first time if they say oh she has no limbs but like if we have a conversation I interact with you it's like if I do loads of events and then they come back the following day and we're like we want the girl with no limbs back I'll be like didn't I just give you a full half an hour spiel about how I I'm Joanne and I just mm-hmm. do loads of other things and I suppose mm-hmm. like Nicole like uh, like my sporting achievements are non-existent but I would just prefer you're skateboarding I'm doing my best I'm, I'm and you're doing loads of things on uh <laughs> <laughs> what was I gonna say it's not the Wii what are you, pl- are you playing the Wii or are you playing the PlayStation I'm playing I'm playing everything I'm playing the Wii and uh <laughs> I yeah but Long story short, I suppose I fell off the skateboard the other day, which was very traumatic for everyone involved. Everyone was like, oh, my God, she's dead. And of course, you know, like Nicole probably backed me up on this. She always like when people like freak out thinking you're really fragile. So you kind of have to laugh it off. But inside you're actually crying because it genuinely didn't. <laughs> that was what happened to me the other day. But no, like I think... Um, I think for me, like, I think I'd prefer, like, Nicole's probably the same. Instead of Nicole, little person, you know, compete at the Paralympics, she probably wants to be Nicole, competes at the Paralympics. Like, mm-hmm. I, can, I can't speak for you, but for me, I want to be Joanna Reardon, sports writer, you know, even the title of activist kind of, you know, Nicole might feel the same. It kind of, like, I'm only just talking about my experiences and, like, mm-hmm. if my experiences and asking for simply better makes me an activist grand, but, like, it shouldn't also make me an activist because it should be there as well, you know? 
Oh, com- yeah, completely, John. Um, especially like it shouldn't be. Um, <laughs> especially it shouldn't be like as you said like it shouldn't be on a cold Paralympic swimmer that she has a disability like just see me as a Paralympic swimmer as you would see an Olympic swimmer like I don't think there is really any need to like especially at such a high level of it like this like there's no real need to bring the disability cards into it yeah, yeah. we don't say Michael Phelps long arms exactly like, load of Olympic medals you know Missy Franklin bad back Olympic medalist. <laughs> yeah. No, it's interesting. Like, I think it's interesting to hear the, the perspectives and like what you want to talk about and that type of thing. But obviously, like for both of you, you are role models and like you talk about maybe not seeing people when you were younger. So what about that kind of role model piece that comes with, say, the limelight that you're getting from sport? And Joanne, obviously you've done your... <laughs> you've done your activist piece whether you like it or not you know like you, you have you have you have become you know well-known figures um for a variety of different things so how do you kind of look at that and and for kind of reaching out to other people that have different disabilities around the country because like you are like inspiring people whether whether you like it realize it whatever way you want to put it like I know Katie O'Brien has talked about parents and, and, and that type of thing. And like you're saying, your, your parents didn't realize you had a disability till you're five. So there's a lot of um, kind of comfort that you bring from sharing your story, I think, for other people as well. Oh, completely. Because um, even, yeah, like, because I'm even involved in um, the Dare to Believe Schools program. Like that goes around mm-hmm. to schools across Ireland um, telling your story. And even if there was one person in the class disability or no disability who just thought you know what if Nicole can do it I can do it like go and join a swim club like it's just like especially nowadays whereas like growing up years ago people wouldn't really see um like it, especially like I'll give you for example like in primary school when you'd like when you had a role model like for many people it'd be like Lionel Messi Cristiano Ronaldo a sports like so football another league. football head <laughs> <laughs> you two will get on like ice on fire so <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't exactly be like they wouldn't be naming female athletes whereas I think that is growing but it still needs to grow a lot in the future as well yeah like yeah no definitely would agree with Nicola on that like I think like my hero was Ronaldinho and as you can obviously tell I look nothing like Ronaldinho bar maybe a teeth and ponytail is the only correlation I have with him <laughs> um but I think yeah like as Nicole said it's just so important for for the likes of maybe for us and you know the dare to believe program and different things like that to I suppose just go in and I think for us and Nicole might disagree but I think for me anyways it's about uh, being accessible as a role model there's no point in me living in a gated community in California preaching about having no limbs and wanting the world to be accessible if I myself am not accessible and cut myself off from um, people in general I suppose really um, I don't know about Nicole but it's kind of like awkward when people ask you I don't know how you feel but oh I have a disability what do I do to be you and I'm like well you don't have to be me (laughs) specifically you know like I don't know if like kids have like said that to you before where they're like oh like can I just be you and you're like well I don't know Mm. be your little independent self there and go like (laughs) learn how to do things but like Nicole I was kind of curious to to even ask you as well about um like parents you know like what advice would you give to parents I'm sure you're like me where you've seen so many kids with disabilities just wrapped up in cotton wool and a part of you just wants to push them in a pool and let them off and do their thing I'm a bit mean like that I'm not gonna lie oh definitely (laughs) no 
Um, because yes, parents especially like they would, especially parents of young kids, like they would have that fear. Um, even like p- people like yourself, like myself, like even letting them go off and stroll in the park while they just sit on the bench, like they would have that fear. Um, it's like the fear of like they don't realize they don't realize that the child needs to be independent. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think like as much as they can, like obviously we are different and we might need an extra bit in like help with stuff, but just try and treat them as they would any other child. Um, so obviously in that way, don't wrap them up in cotton wool and let them go out free and do whatever they want to do. Yeah, like I think let everyone fall. Let us let ha- let us have our boo-boos, you know, like let us yeah. live that life experience because I suppose at the end of the day with parenting, I'm not telling people how to parent, but if you do <laughs> do things for your child all the time, they'll just become reliant on you like Nicole like you have older siblings I don't know is it just like a fatigue with parents like my parents have four older like kids that like before me I don't know where they're just like worn out by the time I get there and they were like (laughs) listen just go crazy with her like whatever happens happens (laughs) it's like pancakes you get you get the first one (laughs) oh yeah from one child to another it's like one extreme to the other (laughs) yeah (laughs) I was gonna I was gonna ask because you both have older siblings like do you think that kind of helped in you know, doing all all the things that other people do and that type of thing from, like you're saying, not being wrapped up in cotton wool because y'all, like Joanne's talking about being involved in, in in wrestling and all that kind of thing. Do you think it helps the fact that you have older siblings? I think so, yeah. Because even, like, especially with me and swimming, like, that's the, it's not, they're not the reason, but, like, my, my, like, there's five years between myself and my, no, there's seven years actually between myself and my oldest brother and then two between myself and the middle brother. Um, and my parents just obviously threw them into swimming lessons before mm-hmm. I, I could go into swimming lessons but then didn't want to treat me any differently and just threw me in with them so I think they had like a bit of an influence on me just mm-hmm. being treated like themselves yeah, yeah it's cool. funny, the funny thing is about me and my four siblings is that out of all of us now there's seven in my family like two parents as well I'm the only one that can swim so like if god forbid like Neve now Neve's a swimmer so she can be fine but if Neve like fell into a river and had to be rescued and all my family were lined up on the bank it's me who has to rescue (laughs) you're like I'm on the way (laughs) yeah like how disheartening would it be for you if you were like drowning and you saw me coming in you'd be like just let me drown it's fine Tell us a tell us a bit about what's going on at the moment because you had put off your leaving suit and everything, hadn't you? So what's the story with that now? <laughs> um, so the way it worked was uh, when I was in school. So I obviously did four years of secondary school. I did from first year to second to t- transition year, mm-hmm. um, and then in the middle of second year, that that was when I decided to move up to the NAC in Dublin, um, just for more hours of training. Mm-hmm. and um but the way that worked was they trained Monday to Friday five to seven and um Monday to Thursday in school I wouldn't finish school till four o'clock so when I originally did, did that the um the school were very supportive they let me finish 40 minutes early every day and so I did that from second year right up until the end of transition year but then at the end of transition year they just they pulled me aside and they were like look Nicole we're very sorry um but just obviously with the seven main subjects that they were just like it just won't be possible like you'd be missing out on a fair bit and which was Mm -hmm. very understandable so then that's when myself and my parents just decided like as well like that was the biggest reason I did leave school but then I just thought I I think I I didn't want to juggle school and trying to well at the time swim train for a Paralympic Games just because I'd either get much out of my swimming and then get nothing out of school or vice versa 
Um, and then that's when I decided to take the year out of school, but then Tokyo got postponed and it's been another year out of school. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any, like, well, you you obviously have, you, went, you don't have to go back, but are you going to go back or are you just going to, I don't know, I think, like, away? I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell anyone I'm not going to go back to school, but I think if I don't go back to school, I'm going to do the equivalent to a leaving cert in some sort of college degree, um, which just might not be in school, but I do after Tokyo, hopefully in September, <laughs> um, I do plan on doing something to do with my education again. Yeah. Is there anything that like interests you, or are you like, no, I want to just go away and swim? Thanks. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> many people, like many sports people, like I'm thinking going down the sport route, but that's obviously because I've never experienced anything other than swimming. So at the minute, that is an option, but I think I do need to explore some more options. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's hard to figure out kind of when you're when you're 17, 18 years old, what you want to do with the rest of your life. And like, <laughs> I have no clue what I want to do. Yeah, sure. I don't know what I want to do either. And look, here we are. <laughs> I'm yeah, 24. I, mean, I still don't know what I'm doing. So I'm, not, so I'm, here, for the, I'm here for the adventure. <laughs> well, I think, I think, John, like we are both obviously hugely interested in sports. So it's like really cool that we're able to do things that we enjoy. And like we enjoy talking to people and learning stories and that kind of thing. So we have like... I don't know fallen into these kind of things that are that we really enjoy but uh, it's so hard like I think you know some people have a clear picture of what they want to do and that's it and they're like you know ready to rock but a lot of people are just like trying to figure it out as they go and that kind of thing but I'm sure it'll all come to you and you certainly um you certainly have loads of options uh, mm. as, as to what uh what route you can go down and that kind of thing but um sure look <laughs> you can t- you can tackle that one after Tokyo anyways <laughs> exactly what are your ambitions for Tokyo just to obviously bring it back to Paralympic Convo like what are you um, like was Rio like a taste and like a bit of a this is cool uh, oh like yeah completely because <laughs> even like I've said before like looking back on Rio I did not see Rio as serious as like uh, like I'm not gonna say I didn't take it as serious as, as I should have because I shouldn't say it like that but like but it's learning back, and you're so young as well like, yeah, yeah I didn't see Rio being as big as it actually was um mm-hmm. and like when I look back on it I am thankful of that like obviously there was other members of the team that that was getting that bit nervous and did have a bit of pressure on themselves whereas I just went out and had a bit of fun and uh, whereas Tokyo it's a bit different for me like obviously I am a good bit older um so I like my ambition for Tokyo is to get on the podium but I'm not going to put any pressure on myself <laughs> how do you like weigh that up like you know your expectation and your I don't know why she means why you know your expectation and your your pressure all in one like you know how do you kind of just in your mind mentally it can be hard sometimes um and especially like going back to like the European Championships were at home in Dublin in 2018 and that was like that was huge immense pressure mm-hmm. on all of us, obviously because it was the European Championships. But then again, all our friends and family were stood in the stood in the stands. Um, but I'm pretty good at that, to be honest. I wouldn't really let it get to my head. Um, I just treat every race like I do have. Obviously, my best event is the 50 meter fly. Uh, but I just treat every race and competition as its own, and not really think about the bigger picture what's like going through your head before like a like a sprint race like you know are you just like going to call going to call going to call go or like like, is there like a thought process you have to like go through like what I'm kind of wondering is are you like those those athletes that are like you know they have like it timed to a t no 
I mean, like, it is nice having the right set of timing because what I found was going back to last year, well, 2019, we're at Championships and then the year before at Europeans, I do, like, every night, the night before my race, I do, like, writing out what time I want to be there at, what time I want to be in the pool at, blah de blah de blah um, But, and getting back to, like, I think it before a race, you don't, like, you don't get a gush of adrenaline, but, like, your mind just goes into such a blur kind of thing. And, like, as bizarre as that sounds, like, obviously, it's before a race, you should be focused on the race. And I am focused on the race, but... It it just is it's a very much blur that like when I think about that I don't really I don't really know what happens in the process I just go and do it um and I think I kind of like that because I think if I did overthink the race I don't think it'd go to my favor. Mm-hmm. And you are getting some action this weekend. You're gonna get some <laughs> racing. Uh, this is the is this the first time that you've managed to get some racing since everything has kind of been postponed? It's not actually thankfully um thankfully to some Ireland um they so like at the minute there's like I'd say there's about 18 of us swimming I could be wrong there could be a bit more um in the NAC and like they've been hosting like behind closed doors competitions so it's basically just like a race swim but a race swim in training but it it is a race Mm -hmm. um so we are very thankful like obviously it is a bit different but it's just about the practice and routine of getting back into competition again very good. I'd say it's um it's definitely different. Um, but it's it's great to get that kind of opportunity to sharpen up and all that type of thing. So uh you'll have to keep us updated as to how the weekend goes, that type of thing. Have there been any secret PBs or what's going on behind the closed doors? <laughs> I wish. Oh my god. Um no, there actually I mean, we we actually haven't like this time of season, like this would be the time not to peak, but like this would be the build up to like peak mm-hmm. and obviously well, for us this year it's to peak in August. Um but other than that, no, it's just been all about the race race practice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um tell us about the highlight of your career. I know you've mentioned racing at home and that type of thing. Like what was the highlight? Um God, I've a few. Like obviously Rio was incredible for me. Um I'd say the highlight I've like two I'm split between like one it's because one's like a bigger achievement than the other and um, one's obviously winning my first world bronze medal in London in 2019 Um, because like I obviously didn't know at the time but in the race like I was went from like halfway down the pool I was fifth and then in like the last 15 meters I came from like fifth to third and um, so that was crazy but then I'd say the European silver meant that bit more to me uh, just because it was at home and mm-hmm. all my friends and family came up from home and it was just nice for them. Like, especially my friends, like, sport does bring a lot of sacrifice um, and it was just nice for my friends to see, right, okay, Nicole doesn't get to see us as often as we'd like, but this is why. Sorry, Mary, that's why I missed your 18s there. I just have to pick <laughs> up this silver along the way. <laughs> don't, don't add me again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I know it's definitely exciting and I mean like that was really cool to have to have it in Dublin and like you're saying to have that crowd and uh, I know everybody like really delivered like the the mm. racing that everybody did was was amazing at, at that point um I guess like looking forward I know we obviously have Tokyo on the on the horizon but um other than the education piece which you've covered what else are, what like what other goals have you kind of gotten swimming and and do you think this is something that you're going to be at for like the next 
10, 15 years or you haven't really <laughs> thought that far ahead? As crazy it sounds, I think I, I think it will. Like, as I've said this before, like, I can't imagine my life without swimming now. Like, it's been part of it for so long and I think it will be part of it for another while as well. Um, like, obviously, other than my education after Tokyo, I do plan on staying on for Paris and then hopefully mm-hmm. LA in 28 and then I'll see where I am at that, at that stage. Yeah, no, it should be really exciting to, to see everything you kind of get up to, and especially now that kind of Paralympics and, um, you know, disability in sport is, is, is a good focus now. Like, it's very easy to, to access. I'm going to kind of ask you, like, a really dumb question, but, like, what difference does that make, like, to you? Like, I know you're not, you're not in this to be, like, a superstar with a billboard <laughs> on O'Connell Street or anything like that. Maybe you are. I don't know. I mean, you may as well. Um, but I suppose, like, for you, how important is it for anyone that um, you, Ellen, you know, all the other um, players in Paralympics that you're on, you're kind of out there and you're in, in a limelight at the minute? Oh, it's very important. Like, especially, like, obviously most people do know about the Olympics and Paralympics. Um, but just for, like, even parents of children with disabilities, if they was to see, not that I'd want to be, or not that I'm asking to be, but, like, as you said, if they did see me on a billboard in, o- in O'Connell Street, they'll be like, oh, she has a disability. My, ta- my child has a disability. Like, mm-hmm. maybe she can go and do what she's been doing, what she's doing nowadays. Um, and it just gives, them that bit of what's the word I'm looking for um that bit of like a push like a motivation yeah exactly um to do let them do what they want to do this is a question I guess for both of you as well but do you ever feel that kind of pressure because you're out in the limelight I'm on you like for like for you saying like with like other children that have disabilities and like the all the questions that parents are asking and that kind of thing like do you find that (laughs) Nicole has to win medals. I don't. <laughs> That's the difference. <laughs> um, not really. I wouldn't let the pressure get to me. But like, I get what you're saying. I would feel if someone came up. To, I do feel horrible when someone comes up to me and asks me how did I get into something or like where to go, and I'm I don't know, and mm-hmm. I'm like, um, I'm not sure. But I try my best to guide them somewhere that I know. If that's the wrong place for them, the person in that place will guide them to the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can it can be you can feel the pressure but I try not let it I try not to think of it that way yeah yeah Nicole is like lucky like as someone who has to do like political stuff you get asked like political curveball questions you're just like oh like <laughs> like I don't know about Nicole but at least people are like what's the nearest swim club to me like worst case scenario whereas people come to me they're like I have a problem with my medical card like who do I contact and I'm like oh Jesus I'm just getting on the train. <laughs> I don't have my books here with me you know yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely that's definitely a tough question. Um, I think Nicole, the last question that we kind of ask is like, what would you say to like young girls that are interested in sport and like want to get to the top like you have? Um, to keep going, especially like I'm going back to football now. Uh, I'm not I'm not a big I'm not a huge football fan either, by the way. Um, but especially Positive. girls, <laughs> especially girls in like football and rugby and like. Like people class these as men's sports when they shouldn't be, um, and to just continue because I know I'm not mentioning any names, but I know some clubs that like don't accept girls from after like under twelve or something, which I don't think should be the case. Um, but do reach out and you will find somewhere you are welcome, and just keep going mm-hmm. to what you want to be, and don't let anything or anybody stop you. Yeah, no, I think that's good because like there's definitely like you're saying, depending on the sport or the, um, you know, what's, what's available in the area, because that's like this, 
there might be huge option in cities where there's like lots of different sports, lots of different clubs, but like there are other parts around the country where, like you're saying, there mightn't be teams um, after kind of 12 or 13 years old. And like there is, like we, we all kind of know at this stage that it's twice as many girls as boys are dropping out of sport by the age of 14. And like, that's something that we want to see change. So that's obviously why we're here to talk about <laughs> it and, and, and talk to obviously all the different great athletes that we have in Ireland and to, to show young girls that there is space for people in, in lots of different sports and to definitely stick at it. And I mean, I've had other people say, you know, uh, if you don't like the sport that you're in, go and try and find something else. Like there's so many options out there now, you know? Exactly. But, uh, Joanne, have you any last questions for Nicole while we have her here? <laughs> no, poor Nicole. I think we actually grilled her there to an inch of her life. But <laughs> the test of time, like when I was you like when I was your age, Nicole, if I got a grilling like that, I'd actually just go home and cry. Uh, but no, you know, <laughs> this is such a We're very friendly. <laughs> you are. Know, but like, you know, sometimes when you're talking about like sensitive topics, you know, like you're just kind of, you know, you're just a bit up, like, you know, I would I be. Just- and honestly it was so good to have you on and uh, no no, it's good crack and I'm glad we now actually follow each other on social I feel like that's, <laughs> that's the start. Like, I feel like the meme and stepbrothers like did we just become best friends <laughs> I actually sorry I do have one last question right so Joanne was slagging me yesterday right she was saying that she was winning, or that I was getting a few awards, and then she hasn't got a couple of awards in a while because obviously, you know, you know, she has more than me, right? But you've both been on the Late Late Show, and I think we need to talk to Ryan and get her sport on the Late Late Show. And like, how are we going to do it? Do you know what I mean? You have the in there. <laughs> I I know someone who has his number. Ellen Keane has his phone yeah. number. <laughs> Ellen Keane is your gal. Like, really. Like, I mean, in terms of doing, like, forward stuff, Ellen Keane is your gal. Like, absolutely. <laughs> like, the way, she, the way she says things and puts herself out there, I'm like, oh, fair play to you. <laughs> oh, me too. Well, I think, look, we're obviously trying to change women's sport and we're trying to get it as far and wide and, and create as much opportunity. That's what the three of us are here to do. So I think, look, if the three of us can head on to talk to Ryan soon, <laughs> sounds like a plan to me. Why not? Why not? Go mad. <laughs> All right. I think we leave it there. We'll uh, talk about our social media channels now so people can connect with us. So follow us on Instagram at hairsport.ie. Joanne, your Instagram there at Joanne O'R on Instagram and on Twitter I'm at Joanne O'R underscore OX and Neve and Co are at hersport.ie also <laughs> so don't forget to follow us like and subscribe and we'll be tagging Nicole on social too so you can keep in touch with her and follow her journey to the Tokyo 2021 Paralympics best of luck with her Nicole thank you and thank you for having me girls thanks so much for chatting Nicole it was great